There was a there was a gentleman gave a hello Frank praise the Lord brother. There was a, a gentleman that gave a CD uh, to a man in his neighborhood, and uh, he told him he said you know you need to listen to this CD, and he looked at it and Thurman's River. He said I ain't never heard of him. Who is he? He said well just listen to it. So he said he brought it home. Said I brought it home. I threw it on the shelf and said. I don't know, two or three weeks or something went by. One day I thought, ah, I'll flip that thing in. I'll listen to a few minutes of that and see what that's all about. He said, I put that thing in, and he said, I, I was awestruck at what I heard. He said, I listened to that thing all the way through. So when I got through, I tucked that thing out of the CD player. When I got in my car and I drove down to this man's house, they gave it to me, and I knocked on the door with this in my hand. He said, he stepped out, and he said, not bad, huh? And he said, I looked at him and said, where can I find this guy? He said, I have never heard anything like this man in my life. And so he told him he could call the number on there. So he did. And he came up that afternoon at about 6 or 7 o'clock. And he stayed with me till after 1 o'clock in the morning. And uh, he finally said, I know I've got to go home. But I told my wife when I got off work this afternoon I was going to come by. This guy's about 42 years old. He said, I am in church. I go to church. I love God. I study the Word of God. But he said, I didn't know there was a man alive today that walked where you walk. He said, I just didn't know that nobody got answers to prayer like you do. But he said, I want to be one of those men. You know, like you said, you either whet their appetite and they want what you got or they think this guy's a nut. And, of course, uh, then I can tell the story about Terry's friend, you know, that listened to the CD and called Terry. And Terry said she was screaming in her ear. And Terry said, I got the phone way out here. She said, this guy, Thurman Scrivener, is an idiot. (laughs) He's an idiot. He's crazy. He just said, I have to obey my husband. He said, you know, he's got this wrong. It's children obey your parents. It's not wives obey your husbands. She didn't know. There's a whole lot she didn't know, wasn't there? There was not a whole lot of things she didn't know. But, you know, it's amazing what we don't know, isn't it, Terry? It is amazing what we don't know in this book. So anyway, praise the Lord that you're here tonight. We're going to have another little Bible study. We're going to talk about, uh, in fact, I think I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, Colossians tonight. That is one of my favorite books. You know, that's such a powerful, powerful book. But all the whole Bible's like that, you know. <laughs> it depends on where you hang your anchor at the given time. I start reading, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I want to thank you and praise you for your word. Thank you and praise you for all the beautiful things that you do for us. Thank you for the Word of God that you've given to us. And I thank you, Lord, for making this book, your owner's manual, so real to us. Knowing that this new covenant you've given to us, your children, if we'll just do what you say, just obey you, you have literally given us promises under the new covenant that there is no limitations to what you will do for us. And Father, we thank you for those because there's times in our lives when we need those. And I want to thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
And in Colossians chapter 1, we'll just start out with verse 1. <clears throat> this letter is from Paul, chosen by God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. It is written to God's holy people in the city of Colossae. Well, of course, it's written to all of us and all of us uh, that are the children of God. If you're a believer in Jesus, this is written to you. Who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. May God our Father give you grace and peace. And then he says in uh, this prayer that he starts in verse 2, Paul's thanksgiving and his prayer. Now, all these things are written in God's Word as examples for us. We are supposed to take the Word of God, and everything is here. The reason that the Lord put all this together, these are examples of situations and things that, uh, that happened and writings that He tells us what we're supposed to do. And sometimes, you know, uh, if you were like I was most of my life as a Christian, uh, I would read these wonderful stories and things about the Bible, and I think, gee, isn't that wonderful that all those wonderful promises were for those people back there? I didn't realize they was for me today. Or the exhortations, or, or whatever it is, you know, when he would say, well, don't sin, I thought, gee, you know, that's something. I'm, I'd hate to live back there when he's demanding those people not to sin, because there ain't no way I can go through the day without sinning, but I found out that was for me, too. <laughs> and so, now that it raised the bar, you know, and of course, when I first started out as a Christian, I mean, the bar was only this high, and it's real easy to jump up on that little bar. But now that I've learned the bar, I have to have a pole vault, you know, to get up, even get close to the top of that, don't we, Frank? It's pretty high, isn't it? it but we can, get, we can reach it, can't we? Yes, we can. Uh, but Paul starts out here. He said, we always pray for you. Well, that, wasn't, that definitely wasn't me as a young Christian. You know, I didn't pray for nobody. You know, I, I mean, if I prayed at all... In fact, I can remember going to a Sunday school class hoping, I hope that teacher don't ask me to pray today, you know, because I didn't know how to pray. I didn't have any idea what praying was and that it was just communicating with the Lord. I didn't have to, I, I just didn't know. You know, you, you all start out, got to work out your own salvation somehow. He says, we always pray for you and we give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard that you trust in Christ Jesus and that you love all of God's people. Well, these people, they're getting it together. They're supposed to love all of God's people. Now then, some of God's people are easy to love. And some of God's people is not too easy to love. You know, but he didn't draw a line there, did he? You know, I mean, you've you got to love all of us, you know. Whether you're easy to love or not easy to love, God demands that we love all of his people. You do this because you're looking forward to the joys of heaven. Uh, I love because I'm looking forward to the joys of heaven. Well, you know, I'd, I'd read that and I think, well, you know, yeah, maybe I am looking forward to the joys of heaven. You know, uh, when we all get to heaven, you know, we've read that, we've sang that song, haven't we? When we all get to heaven, you know, wow, what a great day that's going to be and all that kind of stuff. But I've come to realize that. Those promises and all those things can be mine right now. Right? I don't have to wait, do I, Terry? That's the good part. But I had no idea 
that these things were all mine right now. But we do this because we're looking forward to the joys of heaven. Well, the joys of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, where is the kingdom of heaven? It's in us. That's right. Right now, it's in us. And so we should have joy every day because we're living in the kingdom of heaven on earth. As sons and daughters of God, we ought to have a blessed, blessed life. You know, I mean, we ought to have the resources there where we can call on when we're out there in the workforce doing things and we don't know how to do something. We say, oh, Lord, here I come again. I've got to have a little wisdom. And we shouldn't do it ashamedly or nothing. You know, in fact, uh, I got tickled one time. I had done a job up in Minneapolis, and uh, this job was going to take weeks, the contractor said. And I had prayed, and my boss sent me up there and said, Thurman, it's absolutely not possible to uh, get this job in the length of time. They, these guys' contractors want six weeks to do this job. And he said, that's absolutely not acceptable. So he said, go up there and see what you can do about getting it done in a much shorter period of time. So, okay, so I pray. First thing I do about everything, you know, is I pray. And I go up there and I take my notepad and I start walking around the place looking at this massive project that they want to do. They want six weeks to do. And by the end of the day, I've got it figured out. The thoughts just come to your mind. So when a thought comes to your mind, if you're a son of God, that's coming from the Holy Ghost. So you write that down. And so by the end of the day, I looked over my list and I thought, gee, I know how to do that job in three days. Three days. And so I had told the contractor, I said, I want to have a meeting with you. And I want to call all the subs in and I want to talk to them. I want to see, you know, how much they can shorten this job. And so we got them in there, and they said, so you want to shorten this? I said, yes, significantly, the six weeks. We just can't live with this. And uh, he said, okay, we'll, we'll go out and we'll talk about this, and we'll come back here tomorrow afternoon at 3 o'clock, and we'll talk about this again, and we'll tell you how short we can do it. I said, okay. So uh, I said, would you like any suggestions? No, it's okay. We, we'll figure it out. Okay. So see, now these men are not tied into the same source that I'm tied into. They may be some of them Christians, but they don't know how to tap into the resources. So anyway, they go out, and next afternoon I meet with them again. They said, well, we figured out this six-week job. We can get done in four weeks if we do this and this and this and so on and so forth. And what do you think about that? I said, that's not even close, guys. Well, what do you want? I said, three days. <laughs> and they laughed at me, so there ain't nobody can do that massive project in three days. I said, I'll tell you how to do it. And you know what they said? We're not interested. We're not interested. I said, you mean you won't even let me tell you how to do it? No. There ain't no human being can do that job in three days. I said, guys, I guarantee you I know how to do it in three days. And the general, he said, okay, you know how to do it in three days. You do it. I said, okay, I will. But I said, I want four weeks back on the contract. You know, I'm not going to pay you guys to do the job if I do it. He said, you're convinced you can do it. I said, I know I can do it. I asked the king of the universe how to do this, Jesus Christ, and he showed me. That really throws them off base then. <laughs> so, anyway, he said, well, okay, you do it. So, I went and called the executive VP in Washington. I said, you know, uh, they said four weeks is the shortest period of time they can do it. But I said, I asked the Lord how to do it, and he showed me how to do it in three days. And uh, he, he said, Thurman, I'll never forget what he said. Those are guys are professionals. 
you know, and they can't do it in four weeks, and you think you and your guys are going to do it in three days? I said, well, first of all, I don't appreciate that statement you made. I said, I, I consider myself to be a professional, highly trained and highly skilled in what I do, and I have something that they don't have. I have the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And I said, he lives in me, and I asked him how to do this job, and he told me. And I said, so we can do it in three days. And he said, Thurman, I don't want you to make a fool out of yourself. I said, don't worry. Jesus has never made me make a fool out of myself. I'm his son. He don't do things like that to me. And he said, are you serious you can do that job in three days? I said, sure. He said, okay. He said, whatever you want to do, you do it. And so I went and told the boys. I said, okay, I had about eight men working for me up there. I said, you guys, let's get everything together, get certain things ready. Let's do this this week, get materials in order and everything I got to have, you know, because I ain't got time to go running off looking for things when I start. I got to have everything in place. So we do. We get everything in place. And I go home. I'm there all week. And then Friday night I go home and I tell the guys, I said, now, I'll be back up here Sunday night. I said, after church, I'll catch an airplane. I'll come back up here. And then 5 o'clock Monday morning, I will be in the facility. I said, all you guys be here. And I laid out their plan. I said, you rehearse this plan so you'll know what to do, where everything is. And Monday morning at 5 o'clock, we're going to hit it. And we're going to go and we're going to show these people that the king of the universe is going to be with us all day. And we're going to do a great job for our Lord. Well, 5 o'clock I was there. 7 o'clock the VP called. He talked to the general manager. He says, is Thurman up there? He said, oh, yeah. He was here early this morning. and said, they're tearing this place apart. And uh, he said, okay. So the next morning at 7 o'clock, the VP called back. And he said, how, how is Thurman and his team doing? He said, well, he went home this morning at 5 o'clock, and he's finished. <laughs> and the VP said, I mean, finished for the day or what? He, he said, no, the job is finished. He said, the big coolers and freezers are up, they're running, and I'm using them. And said, the th beautiful part about it, he didn't even tear it up to a point where I couldn't use it when he was working on it. He said, I was able to keep stuff in there, everything. He said, he didn't hardly even hinder the operation. He said, you mean to tell me yesterday morning at 5 o'clock he started, and this morning at 5 o'clock he was through? He said, yes, sir. He's talking to the GM now. He's not talking to just nobody. He's talking to the general manager of the plant. He said, well, where is he? He said, well, I guess he went to the hotel. He said, they didn't sleep. They worked straight, straight through for 24 hours, every one of them. He said, they hardly even stopped to eat. But he said, man, they really got it done. It's working perfect. He said, when he does get back in the operation, give, me this, give him this number and have him call me. Well, I got back in about seven, six, seven, eight o'clock, whatever it was that night. I walked back out there. I slept all day and... I got up and I went back out there and, and the general manager was still there when I got there. And he said, Thurman, the, the boss, the, the VP, the regional VP wants to talk to you. I said, okay. I called him and he was already at home. And I said, Bill, what's wrong? He said, Thurman, you told me three days to do that project. I said, well, Bill, that's what it was. I said, we were just flowing so good, you know, that we just thought when we got started, we just wouldn't quit. We'd just keep on going. So... I said, it did take us three days, three eight-hour days, 24 hours, just exactly what the Lord showed me I could do. <laughs> he said, I don't care what you say. That's one day any way you look at it. <laughs> well, if you want to look at it in one day, he said, 
I thought you were going to make a fool out of yourself when you could do it in three days. And he said, you did it in one? I said, well, the king of the universe lives in me. And he, ha- he has made himself available to me that if I'll ask for wisdom and ask in faith, he'll give me these things. See, now, I believe with all my heart, and of course, this made the contractor there very upset. He was very upset that I did this project in such a short period of time. And I just finally told him, I said, you know, if you guys would just listen, I said, there are some of us that have some answers that we get from the king, you know, and Jesus. And it, it, it always never ceased to amaze me that when you tell people that you've got this information from the Lord, they think you're crazy, you know. So anyway, after I'd done this job, and all everybody knew about it, the VPs knew about it, everybody knew about it. Then we were, my company a, a few years later was going to buy a big operation up in New York, and so they sent me up there to look at this. Op- or actually, they had about seven or eight of them up there. They sent me up there to do an inventory of all of the facilities. I was going to spend about a half a day in each one and make an inventory of the trucks and the equipment and what kind of conditions the buildings were and what I thought it would take over the next year and the next three years and the next five years to bring these facilities up to a pretty high standard. Now, that ain't just a little bitty chore. You know, that's a pretty massive thing to do, but I was capable of doing that with the king. So I was had a meeting the second day, and some of the uh, uh, core VPs, the executive VPs, and all these kind of people were there, you know, and one of the VPs that used to work for the company I worked for, while we were having dinner one day, I was sitting at the head table with a couple of the big boys because I was a guest that was doing all this. And he stood up and he says, Thurman, would you tell us about that magnificent job you did in Minneapolis when you did that that modification of that building such a short period of time? Well, okay, so I stopped eating and I stood up and I told them all how I did it. You know, and, and what the job was and, and how I did it. I called on the, on the name of Jesus Christ and all that stuff. And I said, that's, and it's a beautiful thing to know Jesus. Now, I got, a, I got a captive audience of at least 20 VPs, CEOs, and you name it. There ain't no just normal people in there. These are big boys. And because we're talking about buying a multi, multi-million dollar project. So the big boys get involved when you go to handle that kind of money. You know, I was the lowest peon there was there, I'll say that, the little critter, you know. And I was just the engineer, you know, that was there to do the investigation. And uh, I said, by the way, is there anybody in here that knows my Jesus as their Lord and Savior? And now that whole bunch, not one single man said nothing. (laughs) Nothing. I said, well... Okay. And so I just sat down and went back to eating. After I finished my lunch and we got up to walk out, I'm walking down the hallway and a guy runs and overtakes me. He was one of the VPs there of that company. He run up and he run up kind of gently. Got, I was way up ahead of everybody else. And some of them had went the other way. When all kind of, he came up and he said, Thurman, I'm a Pentecostal myself. I love Jesus. I turned and looked at him. I said, you gutless wonder. Why didn't you say that in there? That's exactly what I told him. That's exactly what I felt like. Here this guy's supposed to be a Pentecostal. Everybody ought to already knew he was a Christian, not just a Pentecostal Christian. But if he's a Pentecostal, I know he's heard the truth. You know, 
He's had it preached to him. Now, if he'd have been some poor little Baptist, you know, or a Methodist, or a Catholic, he didn't know nothing but Pentecostals. They've lived in a realm above the rest of us. You know, they've, they've had this stuff taught them, you know it? And he wouldn't even acknowledge in there. I just, I just, I, I just was slammed in the face. Why wouldn't you say something? Why wouldn't you glorify your Lord? Why, when I'm standing there in front of all these gallons telling all y'all about my Savior, and I said, does anybody in here know Him? Why didn't you throw your head up and say, I know Him? Why? They're afraid of men more than they're afraid of God. Isn't that a shame? Hey, we need to be afraid of the King, you know it? <laughs> no man. The King, there ain't no man can do nothing to me but kill me. And throw me into a, a, a dump pit here on the earth. But the king, he can kill you and put you in hell. Or he can kill you and put you in heaven. And I'm going to tell you, I don't want the wrong way. Do you, Keith? No way. I want to go to heaven. So anyway, wow. You do this because you're looking forward to the joys of heaven. As you have been ever since you first heard of the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's supposed to be. We're supposed to be going out. I think about, I never dreamed just a few years ago that today I paid my radio bills, just radio bills, for the last month. One of them was nearly 5500 and the other was nearly 1500 you know, $7,000 worth of radio bills just to be on the radio. And I'm increasing all the time. Every once in a while, somebody will call. Just like a, just a few weeks ago, one up in Virginia Beach, he called and he said, Hey, I've heard about some of your teachings and I'm, I really love them. He said, uh, We've got a big station, 50,000 watts up here that covers a huge area. He said, Would you be interested in going on our radio session? I said, well, how much you charge me? He told me. I said, sure. I said, I'll go on there for you. And uh, uh, when I did, I said, well, your teaching has been so inspired me, i tell you what I'm going to do. You buy a 15-minute spot in the morning, and I will give you a free spot from February till October at 5.15 in the afternoon for no charge. Amen. I said, thank you, Jesus. Isn't that something? He said, I can't give you a whole year's worth, but I can give you almost a year. And said, he, he said, he, he loved my teaching so much. He said, we need teachers that teach the Word like you teach. And so he said, we're just going to you know, give you from February to October for free in the afternoon at 5, 5.30, I think it was, is when this time, second time it goes on. All I got to say, if you do what Jesus says, He will do great things through you. And He will pay your bills. You know, as all of you know, you know, I mean, the money is in the bank to pay all these things. I never have to ask nobody for money. You don't never hear me stand up here and say, well, before you all go home tonight, you all all be sure and put some money in that box. Because, you know, he said, if you don't, we're going to have to go off two radio stations next week. You ain't never going to hear me say that. Never. You know, in fact, my son told me that church he goes to, this, this is a huge church out there in Argyle. And they had a tremendous flood out there the other day when we had the six inches of rain. 
it done, I think they said $170,000 worth of damage to that church. And uh, so uh, Tim said their normal Sunday giving is $100,000 a Sunday. That's what they bring in, $100,000. And as far as I know, the buildings are all paid for and everything, so what are they doing with that? That would be my question. Where is it all going? If they're 100000 a week and everything's paid for, what are they doing with that kind of money? That's 400000 a month. And so they had the damage the other day. They asked everybody to give sacrificially to help pay for the damage. And Tim said they did. The, the uh, gift Sunday was 300000 for one day. Well, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't. I, I just maybe, maybe they are using a hundred thousand a week. I don't, I don't know how you spend a hundred thousand a week, but with well, a church that everything's paid for, <laughs> it looked like your bank account ought to be going way up there. So, but anyway, I'm sure they got uh, uh, something there. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is changing lives everywhere. Now, the good news that goes out will change lives. Now then, not all of the Bible uh, is presented in such a way that people understand it so it doesn't change lives. But if you teach it just exactly like it's written, it will change lives. You know, some people don't want to hear it like it's written, but if they will, it says that it is changing lives everywhere just as it changed yours. That <laughs> Wow. Did I hear a hallelujah over here? <laughs> it changed yours, didn't it? And Frank's. And there's lots of us in here. It has changed. I look at Liz sitting there. I think about how the, the Word of God changed her life. You know, Liz, she, some of you don't know or don't know, but Liz, this precious little daughter of the king here, when she came to us, she had had Lyme disease for 17 years. Isn't that right, Liz? It was incurable. She, had, she goes to church. She was raised in church. But she didn't know these principles. So when she came here, she came up to be prayed for. We showed her what the principles of the Word of God was, what caused her sickness, what she had to do to get rid of it. You know, and it's uh, just like several of you, you know, when I told you you're sick because of sin, you don't want to hear that. You know, you just don't want to hear it. But she did hear it. She listened. She got her sins repented of. And then we got her almost completely healed. But there was a little bit we just couldn't seem to get rid of of her Lyme disease. So I just told her, I said, Liz, God alone knows what all of your sins are. So I said, you just get with him, begin to petition him, say, Lord, I want to be free because he wants you free. I said, he will reveal to you all these wonderful things. So she went and began to petition the Lord, and he began to open her understanding to things she had forgotten, sins that had happened years before Little unforgivenesses here and there and all kinds of things. And when she got her slate clean, then we prayed for her one more time. And how long ago was that you were completely healed, Liz? Three years, Three years ago. Three years she was completely healed of Lyme disease. And we are so grateful. You're so grateful. Your children are so grateful. Your husband is so grateful. And everybody is grateful that the Word of God, the Jesus we serve, when we do what he says, he's still a healer, isn't he? Yes, he is. But it's hard to stand on that. You know that? You know, and even when you have a, a family member like Liz that has been miraculously, wonderfully healed, 
And then if somebody else in your family gets sick, uh, sometimes they want to try to stand on the Word. But you know how hard it is to stand on the Word when it's your flesh that's being worked on? It's hard. You know, I'm telling you, it's hard. And that's why there's so few faith people out there, you know, because people just, yeah, they, they just, uh, and of course, I will have to say, the doctors we have out there today don't have to be doctors alone anymore. They have to be doctors and lawyers because, you know, the insurance that they have to have, and I mean, even Ty has told me a couple of things at different times about people that they they give certain kind of medicines knowing the medicine is not going to be real good for you, but if they, since the medical system says you have to do this with this, if they don't do it, they're going against the system, and they can be sued, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, and they know it's not going to be, or it could cause this. How would you like to take a medication, you know, for upset stomach, and you read the, uh, 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 the whatever you call it on the side effects, it says this could cause heart stoppage. Are you going to take that for an upset stomach? No. I believe I'd rather have the upset stomach for a while. You know, but we got some medicines out there that's just about that bad, don't we, Ty? Yeah. In fact, that one medicine, I forget what it was, I think you said for blood pressure, and it will all within the just How many years did you say it caused liver failure? Liver and kidney failure within, what, one to three years or something like that? Didn't you? Now see, I, I believe I'd rather trust Jesus for my healing. <laughs> you know, I believe I'd rather trust Jesus. You know, and the thing about it is, the secret is, don't sin, walk in obedience to God's Word. You won't ever have to have that medicine, will you, Keith? You don't have to go to that doctor. Just walk in obedience to the Word. But what we don't know kills us today. Liz didn't know that. I mean, she never, she had no idea that those little things was what was making her sick with Lyme disease. You know, we think we get bit by a tick or something. Well, let me tell you, that may be what caused it all right. But that tick, he couldn't have crawled up there and bit you if you had been walking totally in obedience to God's Word. God's in control. He knows what's going to happen to you, and He knows how to take care of you. All you've got to do is walk in obedience to His Word. He promises to take care of us if we'll be obedient, doesn't he, Michael? I mean, over and over he says that. So, now that it says, uh, it is changing lives everywhere just as it changed yours that very first day you heard it and understood the truth about God's great kindness to sinners. And boy, that is something. This is good news to sinners. And in fact, how would you like, and this is something that's very difficult for us to grasp, I know we're, uh, especially Ty and I, we have a, a, a desire to see souls saved. We know if we get somebody healed, it's great, but we know if we get somebody saved, we change their life forever. And that's, we don't want to see nobody die and go to hell. But can you imagine you walking up to somebody and say, you know, do you know Jesus? Nope, nope, nope. I'm not interested in that Christian stuff. Well, let me tell you how Jesus can change your life. I mean, he could just he'll he'll forgive you of all your sins. All you gotta do is come and ask him, and he'll wash away your sins, and he'll give you an eternal life, and you get to live with him, and you can you can absolutely have a much better life here on earth with Jesus, 
And then you can die one day and get to go to heaven and you get to live an eternal life in the kingdom of God forever. And the person says, I'm not interested. I don't want that. That's heartbreaking, isn't it? But there's people all the time that make that decision. And, and you know, many of you know them. In fact, some people, there was a man told me the other day that his, his dad had come to me many years ago and gotten healed. And uh, his mother uh, and had some unforgiveness. Uh, or his wife, I mean, had had some unforgiveness. And over the ten years, she's slowly creeping back into that unforgiveness. And the father is slowly getting back sick again. Now, he's been well for many years. I just talked to him the other day. And so he said, I went over and talked to my mother. And I said, Mom, you saw Daddy healed many years ago. And you knew it was unforgiveness. Why in the world would you start getting back into unforgiveness toward people again? Why would you go there? And he said, my mother told me, Son, I've heard you talk about those things, but I don't believe those things. Just don't you talk to me about those no more. He said, I walked out of there saying, Lord, I'm going to tell my mother about this every time I can. And the Lord said, No, son, you've told her. Don't bother her no more. Don't bother her no more. Isn't that amazing? We tell us over and over and over, and then finally one day God's grace runs out. That's sad, isn't it? Wow. That's scary to me to think, you know, that somebody that says they're a Christian and you want to talk to them about the Word of God, about so don't come, don't bother me with the Bible. You, you go read that thing. I don't want to read it. There's something in it. Boy, there's something there. Hmm. Epaphras, our much-loved co-worker, was the one who brought you the good news. He is Christ's faithful servant. There's a whole bunch of those Epaphras out here today. A whole room full of us right here, right now. And he is helping us in your place. He is the one who told us about the great love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. In other words, you know, we should be out here telling people, you know, man, I, I go to the Living Savior Church and then people down there, they love people. You know, whenever uh, uh, we stand around and talk after it's over, man, then people, they talk, they pray for us. We've got a need. They'll stay for hours. I mean, they, we just, they go down there. We don't, we don't close the doors. Uh, we don't go down there and have church one hour and then we close the door and we're out there in 15 minutes. We stand around, talk, pray for each other sometimes down there late, late at night. And we do, you know. We stay however long it takes. We want to meet your need, you know. I mean, we, I have been here. What's the latest we've ever been here on Tuesday night? One o'clock in the morning or something like that? Two o'clock? Two o'clock in the morning. So, you know, somebody said, good grief, I ain't going to stay till two o'clock in the morning. Okay, you want to see God's glory? Hey, you just make yourself available to the king. He will show you his glory. But you can't be in a hurry. You know, if you're in a hurry, you want to come down here to church and teach a Bible study class and then be out of here in 15 minutes after the Bible study is over and have a 30-minute Bible study and on the way home so you can watch your favorite television program or something like that. Well, if you want to see God do any miracles, He ain't going to do it for you like that. I can tell you for sure. You're going to have to put Him first, not that world. And that's what I did, man, with the world. I turned that thing off years ago. Television, radio, everything. I turned it off and turned on Jesus. 
And I love to see Jesus do things. Woo! Glory to God. He's helping us and He is the one who told us about the great love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. Now, who give them that great love? The Holy Ghost. See, you need something else you need to do every day, every morning. Sometimes I forget this, but every morning when you wake up, you need to say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost. I want to be full of that mighty power. You know, because I can't think of anything I'd rather be fuller of than the Holy Ghost. Can you? I want Him there. So we have, so we have continued praying for you. Ever since we first heard about you, we ask God to give you a uh, complete understanding of what He wants to do in your lives. And we ask Him to make you wise with spiritual wisdom. Now, here's things that He put in here. These are not just accidental things. You know, you need to pray the same way for your own self. Lord, I want this wisdom. I want this understanding. I want to know what your total gift is for me. Lord, I want this spiritual knowledge and understanding that you have in this book. I know it comes from you. Lord, I'm seeking you. I'm asking you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm asking you to give me revelation and wisdom and knowledge and understanding from the mighty Word of the living God. Whatever it is that you have for me to do, Lord, I want to know what I'm supposed to do. I want you to reveal yourself to me so that when you have a need, and Lord, I want to purify myself from all unholy things. I want to study the Word. I want to have the Word hidden in my heart so that whenever there's a time come, I mean, we may be driving down the road and an accident or something's out there, and you may have a need for somebody to pray for those people. Or some guy may try to run me off the road instead of be fussing and saying some bad things like I used to, Lord. Give me the words to pray for that person. You know, I mean, if, if you're praying for people like that, then you'll get to see God do great and mighty things. You know, great and mighty things. You know, maybe even you might even be like that Baptist preacher here a while back that ran up on an accident scene and the Lord told him, he said, go over there and pray for that man. And so he told the guy there, he said, sir, I need to go over there in that car and pray for him. He said, no, I ain't no use praying for that guy. He said, that guy was killed in the accident. He said, he was killed? He's dead? Oh, yeah. I said, we two or three paramedics have checked him. He's dead. He said, well, sir, God just told me to pray for him. He said, well, <laughs> he said, I'm a preacher, sir, and God just told me to pray for this man. He said, well, no, I guess so. It ain't going to hurt nothing. He said, he's dead. He's tore all to pieces. He said, just go ahead and go over there. That, bad, that Southern Baptist preacher, which heard God tell him to pray for this man, went over and prayed for that man, and he prayed for him for, I think, almost the whole 80 or 90 minutes. That was, And while he was praying for him, way up, and when he started to quit, the Lord said, don't quit, keep praying. And he said, this guy's cold. He said, he's dead. You know, so he said, I kept praying. And guess what happened to that? other Baptist preacher that was a Baptist preacher down there too. God raised him from the dead. He was, that ain't bad for a couple of Southern Baptist preachers, I'll have to say. <laughs> Glory to God. So, but anyway, that the one that was in the car wrote a book called 90 Minutes in Heaven. Any of you ever read that book? Not yet? Now, John read it back there. 
But I'm telling you, that Baptist preacher, he was praying, and he said, I would sing a little while. I'd pray till I give out, and then I'd sing a little while. Then I'd pray, and I'd sing. And, of course, here's this guy down here, been dead all this time. And he said, in a few minutes, I heard another voice singing. He's singing with me. And I thought, who is that? And he said, I realized it's the guy there that they said was dead. And so he said, I called a paramedic. I said, come over and check him. <laughs> he said, forget it. He's dead. He's dead the first time I checked him. dead the second time I checked him. He ain't alive now. He said, he kept pestering him until finally one of them comes. Okay, I'll check him. And when he did, he said, good grief, this guy is alive. <laughs> and so they, the whole book is about his story. The first part of it is all about how he went to heaven and what he got to see in heaven. And then, of course, the rest of the book is about his recovery. And he had an awesome recovery. It was not instantaneous. It took a long time. But it's a, it's a good book. I, I, I just read it. I don't read many books, but somebody gave me that one, and I did. It was very, very, very good. But that just goes to show that if God lays on your heart to pray for somebody, even if the circumstances look impossible, don't ever not do what the king tells you to do. You will get to see his glory. I mean, I mean, after all, when I think about, I can imagine the day that God walked up to Ezekiel and he says, Ezekiel, you see this valley of dry bones out here with all these bones laying all over the place? Yes, Lord. I've been out here before. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of dry bones. He said, do you believe these bones can live again? <laughs> you know, God, only you know. He said, speak to them. Command bone to come to bone. And so Ezekiel said, okay, Lord. Now, why did God have a man to do that? Why did he just do it? But he didn't. He told Ezekiel to do it. And Ezekiel said he commanded bone to come to bone. And bone started moving and rattling all over that place. And an army of men stood there, skeletons. And then he said, Ezekiel, do you think that flesh can come on these bones now? I can only imagine what... Oh, when he says... When the Scripture says, oh, God... Only you know. I have to put the emphasis on that. Oh, Lord, Lord, only you know that for sure. Can you imagine if you got to be the one? And he said, well, command tissues to come on them. And so he did. And the flesh was on them. He said, now then, do you think this army of men can live? And I can only imagine him saying, oh, Lord, only you know. He said, command breath to come in these men. And he did. And they became a living, breathing army of men. How long had these men been dead? Who knows? Well, what is impossible with God? Nothing. Nothing. We've got to get a hold of that as His children under the new covenant. Nothing is impossible with the King. Now then, how do you get Him to do those kind of things? You've got to please Him. If you please Him, do you know He makes you and me the promises in this new covenant that we got, if we will please Him and do what He says, He says, you can come and ask Me for anything. He puts no limitations on your request. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? And He don't just do that just one or two places. He does it all over the place. So, it's obvious we're not pleasing Him too well. So, we need to look and see what we're not doing right. Then the way you will live will always honor and please. So then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and will continually do good, kind things for others. All the while, you will learn to know God better and better. So, 
if you are continuing, continually doing good, kind things for others, then he says, all this while, while you're doing this and you're studying the Word, you will learn to know God better and better. Do good, kind things for people. And you'll get to know God better and better. So what if you don't ever do anything good and kind for people? You won't ever learn much about God, will you? Yeah. So He wants you to do good things, kind things for people. That's what He wants. We also pray that you will be strengthened with His glorious power. Now, I can't think of anything I'd rather have than God's power. Can you pray? No. I would mean I'd love to have God's power with His glorious power so that you will have all of the patience and endurance you need. Would you like to have all that, Keith, you needed? Yes, sir. yes me too. Uh, I, I, need to, I need all that I get every day, don't we? Every day. Every day. Especially when you're working in the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, you really need it in the world with the world's people because some of them is definitely not easy to love. It's not hard to, it, but you can do it. Yes. You can. May you be filled with joy. Now, I love that too. Always thanking the Father who has enabled you to share the inheritance that belongs to God's holy people. This is this inheritance that He has given us. I mean, today, once we come from the, the old covenant, I mean, you know, some people I talk to, I, they say, Thurman, you cover too much of the Old Covenant. Well, let me tell you, if you don't study the Old Testament, you'll never know the Father. You really won't never know who He is. You've got to learn about the Father in the Old Testament. He, he'll tell you who He is, what He likes, what He doesn't like, and He's never changed. But if you'll study about Him and learn what He does like, what He doesn't like, then when you step over into the New Covenant and Jesus becomes your brother, and if you can please the Father, man. I mean, you can walk in a place that's, oh, the Father will do awesome things for you under that new covenant. But you've got to know who He is. And the only way I've come to realize who He is and what He likes is by studying about Him under the Old Testament. You know, I mean, if you don't study the Old Testament, and of course, like I said Sunday, I've made a, a statement uh, several times, five, ten years ago, about different things. And now then, I know totally different because some of those statements I made on some of my teachings ten years ago, I got them from studying somebody else's books. That's where those incorrect statements come from. But once I threw away all those other books and started reading the book, then I won't never make another mistake because it, this book won't never change. It's not, it does not have to be interpreted. If God said it, you know, then you can take it to the bank. And it'll still be the same next year, five years now, 20 years from now. You know, and that's what you've got to do. And that's, in fact, I heard a preacher, that was one of the, well, great, one of the great faith men. He made a statement. He said, if God puts sickness on us, I don't want to serve him. Well, I mean, I, I mean, this man walked in a special place of power with God. And some great miracles happened when this man prayed for people. And I knew the man personally. 
You know, and I, I know he was a great man of God, and he knew the Word of God. And I, I've sat under his teaching. I've been to where he's at lots of times. And I, I've really, you know, seen him and everything. It's great. And he was a great guy. And he used to be a Baptist preacher. And he was a Baptist preacher for quite a while. And, of course, until they kicked him out. But uh, when I think about the statements he made, and even though the depth he studied the Bible... He never got this revelation. But, you know, I can show you in God's Word. And, of course, you'll try to explain it away. You know, but when I show you something in God's Word, you can't explain it away. If God said it, don't try to explain it away. In fact, I picked up a, a little book, a little probably 30 or 40 page book the other day that a gentleman's on radio uh, right along with me. He's a faith man just like I am. And he took the scripture that Isaiah 45 talks about and where that I create evil and I kill and I give life and all that stuff. And, and he, he spends 30 or 40 pages telling you that God didn't mean what he said. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know, the first time I read that, I thought, well, that's real interesting. Maybe God didn't mean that, but now I know God meant exactly what he said. So don't try to explain him away. You know, if God said it, you don't have to have a rocket scientist interpret it for you. If he said it, just believe it. You know, and it, the Bible goes quite easy then when you don't try to explain away. In fact, I was teaching at a healing school the other day, and a guy, he said, come up, he asked me the question while I was teaching. He said, so what do you do with this about where God hardened Pharaoh's heart? Who, who is, who's really responsible for that? I said, God. He said, What? He said, I graduated from seminary, and they explained that away every way in the world. You're telling me it's just that simple when it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart? God hardened I said, yeah, that God did it. <laughs> That's how simple it is. He went away that day. This guy was 78 years old. And when he went away, he said, you've opened a whole new world in this Bible to me. Now, when I read it, I believe it means exactly what it says. I said, well, that's the way I read it. Isn't that the way you've got to read it? You can't read it and say that God didn't mean what he said. Because if he didn't mean what he said, then he's not God. You know, so, so he's big enough to make it come to pass. Then he says here, Always thanking the Father who has enabled you to share the inheritance that belongs to God's holy people who live in the light. See, there's another little phrase there. God's holy people who live in the light. All of God's holy people don't live in the light. Some of them live in the darkness. And that's a shame to me, that we can be God's children and not live in the light of the Word of God. You know, some of us don't go to church. I'm sure you know people that profess to be Christians, maybe in your own family even, that say they're Christian, but they don't ever go to church. You know any people like that? Man, I know a bunch of them. Yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm okay, but I don't have to go to church. No, 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 that's not the way it's supposed to be. You know, you're living in the darkness, you know. If you step over the light, you want to go to church. Uh, huh? I said that's our fault as pastors. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. And, of course, the thing about it is we've got to teach what it says, you know, and so many of us don't. You know, we, we, we're afraid we'll offend somebody if we say the wrong thing. 
And so, but hey, if God put it in this book, I'm not afraid of you, but I'm afraid of him. I'm afraid of the king. And, and I think that's, uh, uh, I think that's why a lot of preachers die prematurely. Because uh, I remember another man of God one time that I know also and respect that was another uh, healing minister. And uh, he said that uh, the Lord called him to be uh, a prophet. And he didn't want to be a prophet. He didn't want to do it. He said, I knew the Lord was calling me to be a prophet. And he said, I went along there after I had this feeling the Lord was calling me to be a prophet. And I told him, Lord, I just, I just don't want to be a prophet. And he said, finally, after about five years, the pressure became so great, I finally told the Lord, I said, Lord, okay, I'll yield and I'll be your prophet. I really don't like this, but I'll do what you say. And the Lord said, good, you only had two more years. If you didn't do what I told you, he's going to die in two more years. That was Kenneth Hagin. I heard him tell that story myself. Now, isn't that amazing? He was only 50-something years old, and God called him to be a prophet, and he didn't want to be a prophet. So God didn't argue with him. He's just counting down, counting down. And finally, you know, the Spirit's continuing to try to get through to him. He was a man that's believed in the Holy Ghost, let me tell you. And finally, one day he made that, okay, Lord, I, 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 will, I will do it. And when he did make that decision, that's when the Lord told him, okay, it's, now that you've decided to do what I'm going to tell you, you're going to let, I'm going to let you live. But he said, you only had two more years. If you hadn't done what I told you, you would have died. Isn't that amazing? See, if you don't obey God, what happens? You die prematurely. You know, you have to obey the king. For he has rescued us from the one who rules in the kingdom of darkness. Now, who is this critter? That's the devil himself, isn't it? Now, the devil's out there. He's doing everything he can to take you down. He will do everything he can to ruin your life, ruin your marriage. I mean, the devil, when the devil's got the good little critter called the flesh to work with. I mean, the flesh don't need a devil, you know it? The flesh can do a good job on its own. But if you mix a devil with the flesh, I mean, you can really have a sad situation. Even in a Christian. I mean, we can get upset. We can do everything wrong. We can get into rebellion. You know, we can get into strife. We can get into just all kinds of sin. And, but he says, For he has rescued us from the one who rules in the kingdom of darkness. And He has brought us into the kingdom of His dear Son. This is good news. God has purchased our freedom with His blood and has forgiven all our sins. Now, you talk about a great and awesome portion of this new covenant. Now, when we come, you think about this under the old covenant, coming in as a high priest one time a year, you could step into the Holy of Holies. Only one man, one day a year, and then never without blood. When he went into the Holy of Holies, that man went in there with his sins repented of, and he sprinkled the blood and everything. And if he missed one, he's in trouble, isn't he, Michael? He ain't walking out of there. And that's why he had a rope on him and bells around the bottom of his gown. If, the, if that thing stopped dingling and he's in there... I mean, if, if he fell dead in there, 
Could anybody else run in there and get him out? They could try. But they'd die too. If the high priest died, then anybody, nobody else could go into the Holy of Holies. If you did, you stepped into the presence of God and it just automatically killed you. You couldn't walk in there. But just think of this covenant that you and I have today, when He forgives by the blood of Jesus all of our sins, we can come bowl into the throne of grace anytime we want to, 24-7. And, and, and no, so few of us ever do that. You know, I was a Christian for years before I realized I could come into the throne of grace. I could just jump up there and say, Lord, I need you to do this for me, knowing that he was going to look down and see me through the blood of his son. And I was going to be clean and pure and holy. And he would pat me on the back and say, yes, son, what can I do for you? I mean, you know, I'm seeing myself as my old wicked self. And not through the blood of Jesus that I'm washed and clean. And so I didn't realize I could come to the throne of grace and, and come in boldly. You know, I mean, I want to crawl in there like a little snail, you know, hoping I don't get killed. You know, but that's how little I knew about the Word of God. And as I studied it and learned it, then I learned, hey, if I have a need, I can come into the throne of grace and men, after I learned how to do that and after I learned who I was, I started going to the throne of grace and asking the Lord to do things for people, people that wouldn't accept Him as Lord and Savior. I started coming against the forces of darkness and asking the Lord to send the Holy Spirit to convict people of sin, bring them into the kingdom and save them. I started seeing people get saved when I, and people that were sick and afflicted. I could come up and petition the King and ask Him to do great and wonderful things for those people. And I started going to the throne of grace, and I started seeing God do awesome things. The answers to prayer became out of this world. You know, really, literally, out of this world. You know, and you, you think, I mean, when you first begin to do this, you think, wow, what a coincidence. That happened. I asked God for it, and it just happened. You know, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you. When you don't know, you know, and you've been raised up in a Baptist church that certainly didn't teach you these principles because I don't believe they know these principles. I really don't think they do. And whenever I learned these things from reading God's Word, and I started going up there and asking Him to do things, and He started talking to me up there. And I started hearing His audible voice. That'll shock you, won't it? Isn't it wonderful to hear God's audible voice? It is wonderful. You know, and so he starts talking to you, and that kind, gentle voice, you think, hey, he's not mad at me. I'm, I'm washed in the blood, you know. Yeah, that's good news. You know, you expect if he does talk, he say, what have you got? You up here? You shouldn't be up here, you wicked critter, you. That's what I kind of what I expected to hear, but that's not what I heard at all. <laughs> the very first time I heard him, he said, son, you know, that gentle voice, son. Wow, have I got a message for you in the next few verses. Pay attention, son. You think, what? That was God talking to me? Well, yes, it was. And he was so loving and kind and gentle because I didn't realize. See, I had not read enough of the Scripture to know that he had made peace with me through his son. So now then, when I come to him, hey, and I've come through Jesus, I'm washed in the blood. I'm clean and holy and pure, and I can come jump right up in Daddy's lap. 
God has purchased our freedom with His blood and has forgiven all our sins. Wow. Now then, the next set of Scriptures talks about how Christ is so supreme. Said Christ is the invisible image of the invisible God. Now then, Jesus came to earth and became visible so we could see what God is really like. Because he says right here that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So just like he told them, he said, if you guys, when, uh, uh, I forget which one, uh, thank the Lord, give me the, Andrew, was it Andrew? Which one was it? said, Lord, if you just show us the Father, we'll be happy. You know, and he said, have I, I, I have shown you the Father. You've seen me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. See, they had a hard time with that, didn't they? Just like we do. But Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Now, Christ existed before God made anything at all and is supreme over all creation. Now, He was with Him in the beginning. You know, the other day I was reading in the book of Proverbs. I've read about uh, at least 10 or 15 chapters of the book of Proverbs several times here just a couple of weeks ago. I started reading those now read and dwell on those and I thought he says then you know and I wisdom I was the first thing he created he made wisdom he made me then I was with him I was by his side whenever he made the heavens and the earth I was there when he drew the horizons on the earth I wisdom was there You ever stop to think what God really meant when He said, Let us make the creation? Who was He talking to? You know, I always thought Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But I think He's talking about His entire group of spirits. I think He made all these wonderful spirit beings, like wisdom, and all this understanding and everything else. And then just like He had the board meeting in 1 Kings and in Chronicles, whenever he asked his spirits how to do certain things, I think God inquired of these magnificent beings of wisdom that he made. I think he let them be a part of the creation. Can you imagine getting to be a part of the creation of God? You're a created spirit that he's made, like the spirit of wisdom. Can you imagine him turning over and saying, Wisdom, how would you do this, son? He said, Lord, I'd do it like this. Can you imagine this? Wouldn't that be an awesome place to get to walk with God? Be one of His spirits? But do you know, He went overboard when He made man. We don't see that. We're the crown of His creation. The crown of His creation. That everything He made, nothing He made, He made in His own image but us. Isn't that awesome? That He made you in His image. And then we'll have the audacity to say, but God, I don't love me. You didn't do a good enough job on me. Isn't that sad? That's sad. That just goes to show us that the enemy has so deceived us. We don't know who we are. Sons and daughters of the Most High God. 
that He loved and made and give us all this power to walk with Him on this earth. We don't, we don't read His book enough to even get a hold of it. But He says, He existed before. Christ is the one through whom God created everything in heaven and earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see through Christ. So, all the invisible spirits that are out there, all the good angels, who, who made them? Jesus. All the invisible bad spirits, who made them? Jesus did. Everything, both visible and invisible. He made everything. And He made kings and kingdoms, rulers and authorities. Everything, everything has been created through Him and for Him. It was all for Him. So who's all this stuff that's going on today? Is it for you and me, Michael? It's for Him, isn't it? Now, a lot of us get out there and think it was for us. You know, so He did this so I can do this or I can do that. You know, I can be somebody. He has let us be somebody, all right. He's let us be His children. But this whole thing is not about you and me. It's about Him and us glorifying Him because where does He live? In us. So if we walk in the God kind of love, we will exhibit to the world the way the King is supposed to live and the way He wants to live through us. If we walk holy and obedient to His Word, there's no limitations to what He will do through an answer to prayer. You know, when you come and pray and ask Him for something, He tells us, you know, if you'll purify yourself from how much evil? All evil. Then you will have made yourself a vessel as unto honor fit for the Master's use. So when He needs to use you for something, He will speak to you like He did that Baptist preacher. Go over there and pray for that man down there in that car accident. And he goes down there and says, I want to pray for that boy. And they say, well, he's dead. Well, God, you made a mistake. That's kind of where we go, isn't it? Lord, I mean, it must be the wrong man, Lord. You told me to go pray for him. They say he's dead. Hey, if God told you to pray for him and that guy said he's dead, you say, well, glory to God. Let me show you what Jesus is going to do. I mean, if that man's dead and he told me to pray for him, I know he's got something beyond our wildest dreams up his sleeve for this guy. Let me add him. But you know, that's not where we live in faith, is it? We say, God, you made a mistake. I know that that first time the Lord spoke to me over a man with just terminal cancer. He, when I walked up to his wife's room, or I mean to his room where his wife came to the door, and I said, how is your husband? And she said, he has stage four lymphoma, terminal cancer, has a few weeks to live. And the Lord says, tell him to call the men of the church to pray over him and I'll heal him. I mean, I heard that. I, I heard that clear. I prayed with her and I walked down the aisle. I remember looking up and saying, God, you didn't hear what she said. <laughs> I mean, this guy's got terminal cancer. Ain't nobody healing, not even God. It's funny now, Michael. It wasn't funny then, let me tell you for sure. Can't you just see God looking down at me and laughing and saying, Son, if you ever get a hold of who I am, you don't even have a clue who you're dealing with. And that's us. We don't have a clue who we're serving. 
You know, it's the king. You know, I, I, I think about, when I think about these kind of things and what's been given to us under the new covenant, I think about this, that young, that, I say a young man, he was about 75 or 80 years old, a guy, when he heard me on the radio down in Gatesville, Texas, and he was going to a church of Christ, he started listening to me intently. And he started checking out everything I said in his Bible. And he found out what I said and what his Bible said was the same thing. So he started coming up here to church. And, and he came several times. It's a three-hour drive from there up here. And here he is way on up in years. But he said, I want to come sit in this church. And so he did. And then one day he called me. He said, Thurman, I have uh, double pneumonia. And he said, I am trying to get over this, but I, I just can't seem to get it done. Would you come down here and pray for me? I told him, sure. So I go jump in my car, and I drive down there, and I get to his hospital. To his hospital. I asked the lady there, I said, what room's in? She said, well, we just took him out of ICU and put him in a room right here. And I said, okay. So I go down the hallway till I find it, and I walk in there. He's sitting up on the edge of the bed. See me come in. He said, Thurman, praise God. He said, I'm glad you're here. And I walk over, and I'm talking with him a minute. And a nurse walks in and puts a deal on his arm, pumps it up, and checks his blood pressure. She says, uh, Charlie, your blood pressure is extremely high. The low number is 138. said, uh, we may have to give you some blood pressure medicine. I said, ma'am, are you a Christian? Yes. I said, have you ever seen God do a miracle? No. <laughs> and I said, well, how would you like to see him do one? <laughs> she said, don't be funny. I said, I'm not. I said, what's his blood pressure supposed to be? She said, oh, about 70. I said, okay. I reached up and laid my hand on him and on his chest over his heart. And I said, Father, you told me I could ask you for anything in John 14:13. I asked you to bring Charlie's blood pressure to about 70. I said, thank you, Lord. It's done in Jesus' name. Now, see, I didn't have to do a lot of screaming and hollering. You know, I didn't have to do nothing. I didn't have to start begging and pleading. I just had to do something in faith. And I, I said, ma'am, would you check it again? And she looked at me and she said, no. I just checked it. It didn't change. I said, ma'am, you don't know what faith is. Charlie said, ma'am, please, for me, will you check it? She said, oh, Charlie, I just checked. She started to walk. He said, please, please check it one more time. Okay, Charlie. She said, it hasn't changed. She come back and wrapped it around his arm, pumped it up, and started coming down. And when it stopped, it stopped at 72. And I looked at her, and tears were running out of both eyes all the way off her chin. I said, don't ever say, young lady, you've never seen God do a miracle. You just got to see Him do one. Right there. Now, see, that's obviously... What God honors is bold faith in His Word. That little girl had never seen a miracle, never even knew one existed. And somebody said, you can't turn God on and off. Yes, I can. <laughs> He's standing by to do wonderful things for you and me that believe. He wants to bless us. We're His children he wants to do good things for us. But you've got to be walking and obedient to His Word. And you've got to be walking in that love walk. And if you're doing what He says, He said, come and ask me for anything and I'll do it for you. 
Isn't that amazing? He's saying, Keith, come and ask me for anything on that job, son. I know more about construction. You ain't never built something like I've built. Amen. You know, you may build some big buildings, but you ain't never built what I've built. So I can show you anything. You just ask me and I'll show you. And he will, won't he? Yes. Sure he will. He knows how to do everything. But anyway, under this new covenant that we have as children of God, we cut the king short because we don't do anything in faith. You know, when we do things in faith, the king shows up. Now then, he says Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. I think I've read all those things. He existed before everything else began, and he holds all creation together. Okay, yeah, that's the last part of that verse. He holds all creation together. Now, for those of us that have studied science just a little bit, it's pretty big just to think about just our little galaxy. But our little galaxy is just a tiny spot. You know, we haven't even... Well, we, I think we have got to Mars, haven't we? We, we went to Mars. Didn't we send... I don't know, we sent some kind of machine that went off out there for three or four or five years that finally got out to one of the other planets. I forget which one it was. But uh, we had never really touched even the outer realms just of our tiny little galaxy. I mean, just on our tiny little planets. Because just think, the sun is only 96 million miles away. That's, uh, what does that take, about uh, 20, does that take 20, how many minutes would that be? At 186,000 miles a second, that would be about, what, 20 minutes? Uh, is that right? Would, I don't know. I'd have to sit down and figure it out mathematically. But 186,000 miles a second, it takes seven and a half times. In other words, you can go around the world in seven and a half times in one second. That's pretty fast, isn't it, young lady? But it takes, if you straighten that out, to go 96 million miles, it takes like 20 minutes or something like that to get to the sun, whatever it is. I know it's a long time. That doesn't sound like long, but that's at 186,000 miles a second. But now then, to get to the closest star in our that's the sun. That's it, like 20 minutes. But to get to the closest star in our galaxy, the closest one, takes four light years. A light year, that means you have to travel at 186,000 miles a second for one year, two years, three years, four years. And you get to the first star in our galaxy. So it's not very big, is it? It's beyond your comprehension as a human being. And who is it that sustains and maintains and holds all the creation together? Jesus. Hey, don't cut the king short. He's pretty awesome. I mean, so for him to change a blood pressure on a man, do you think that was any kind of a problem for God? No, he was waiting for me to do something in faith. I can just see him sitting there. Don't doubt now, son. Don't doubt. I want to do this for you. You know. But you know, the average person, you know, how many times have I walked into a hospital room? I mean, even like a Yesha, you know, whenever she had their first baby. You know, when she couldn't, they couldn't get the placenta out, and she's bleeding. And Cheryl and I go up there with them. Here she's sitting there, and she's hurting, bleeding. And that doctor comes in, and he's sitting, and she's bleeding. And he sits there and says, well, he can't get it out. He tries to get it out and won't come out. So he says, 
we may have to do a DNC. Now, I don't know what that is. Some of you people may know what that is. And then he said, if that don't work, we may have to do a full hysterectomy. And I know what that is. I know they go and tear a woman all to pieces to do a full hysterectomy. I mean, I know they cut her lower stomach open, lay her open. They cook out all kinds of pieces in there. I said, hey, I ain't going here. This is it. I've heard all I'm going to hear. I said, in the name of Jesus. I mean, I, my, my righteous indignation rose up. You know, I mean, that is God. You know, God didn't want His daughter to suffer that. I mean, He's in me. I rose up. I said, I'm going to pray. I said, you're going to grab hold. After I prayed, I said, now you're going to grab hold of that thing. You're going to pull it out. It's going to come out in the name of Jesus. I guarantee in Jesus' name. And I said, the Lord also told us not to look on another person's nakedness. So I said, me and Cheryl are going to get over here and kneel and on our knees in the back. We're going to turn our back on you. And I said, you're going to raise that cover up. You're going to grab hold of that placenta. You're going to pull it out. It's going to come out, I guarantee, in Jesus' name. So we got over. I said, okay, we're ready. Do it. And man, it wasn't seconds. I went by and he said, wow. I said, what, what's, what's going on over there? He said, <laughs> he said, I'm going to get you to pray over every patient I got. He said, that thing come out so easy. Now, see, what can we do by faith? You can turn, you can change the course of history if you just pray in faith. Now, you can't say, well, God, I hope you'll do this for me. Lord, if it be your will, will you do this? That's the way we pray. And it don't happen. You've got to be bold with the Word of God. He told you to come boldly into the throne of grace. When he told me to come into the throne of grace boldly and asked me what I needed for in times of mercy, I mean, for I need and I have times of need. He'll give me mercy. I had a need. They had a need, and I mean, I'm going to pray. And how many times have I walked into people that had migraine headaches? One evening, right here, a little girl come in. She said, "Y'all's Bible study started at seven? I said, "Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am." And she said, "Well, it's six thirty. My girlfriend. Now we want to come here tonight, but..." So we got to drive down. I got to have a hamburger or something. She said, I have a splitting headache. I said, Oh, you do? She said, Yeah. I said, Just a minute before you walk off. I walked over and just laid my hand up on her head. I said, In the name of Jesus, I rebuked that headache, commanded to leave now in the name of Jesus. Ma'am, I said, It's out of there. You ain't got it no more. She said, It's gone. I said, Of course. She went out and her and her girlfriend went and got a hamburger, come back in. She said, This is the most awesome thing I ever saw. Said I enjoyed the hamburger, didn't have no headache. <laughs> what did Jesus say we could do by faith? So what, why don't we believe him? Why don't we start doing something in faith? Yeah, that's just like a gentleman that was out there at the minister center today. He said, "I've told many of my friends that this guy has got more faith than any human being I ever seen. He guarantees God will do things." And he said, nearly everybody says, you know, he can't guarantee God will do nothing. I thought, how many people have I heard say that? But now they don't believe that no more. Since they got healed, they don't believe that no more. You can do the same things. Under the new covenant, these things are available to you. Isn't that good news? It's good news. But you've got to be walking in obedience to him. You've got to do what the king says. And life's fun there. Oh, by the way, so some of y'all don't know, uh, since uh, Terry and Frank are here tonight, we went out last Thursday to Odessa, and uh, we did their show on three 30-minute shows.
so they're going to be on VLC with me. Three 30-minute shows. They're starting here in just a few weeks. I, I don't know that Cheryl's got the information. But May 22nd. Okay, well, she gets 27th. Okay, and we will be on probably four to six times that week with the same show. Next week, the second show will be on like that, and then the third week, the next show will be on. But if you don't get to see it, don't sweat it. We done eight shows the other day, and uh, as soon as they get those finalized and get them sent to me, we will take those eight and put them on a DVD, and all of you will be able to see all of them. Take it home with you, take copies, give it to your friends and everything else. We'll have them all right here. So their story will be there. Philip's story was there, you know, uh, this whole bunch of us. We had a great trip uh, out there, and, uh, and of course, we're going to do some more of those. We get back from Germany, I'm going to take four or five more people out there, and we're going to make four or five or six more shows, just like we did theirs. And then we're going to put all these mighty shows on DVD for everybody to see. And then I think I'm going to send, when I get one of those DVDs with about 16 hours worth of, you know, eight, yeah, 60, yeah, eight hours, eight hours, 16 shows on one DVD and get that as a master. I think I'm going to send one to every church in the Metroplex. You know, I want them to see, you know, what God is doing because people need to know. And just like Johnny Brumfield, Johnny Brumfield was the gentleman down in Louisiana that had the two crushed knees that hadn't walked for 18 months, 21 months, I mean. And I prayed for him that night and God instantly healed two crushed knees and he's running and still running. He said, Thurman, you must be telling my story because there's people from New York, California, Oregon, he said, you name it, they call Johnny Brumfield in Manny, Louisiana. And when I answer, when they find my phone number, they said, are you the guy that got this supernatural healing in your legs when this pastor prayed for you? He said, that's me. Praise God. That's me. Well, see, people don't believe it. It's too awesome. To, but, you know, when, when you call the guy and you hear this crazy preacher, he's giving names and cities. He's giving the guy's full name. We'll call and check him out. And when you call and find, there is a Johnny Brumfield in Mandy, Louisiana. And when you get his number and you talk to him, and he was the one. Hey, that blow a bubble in your whole theology if you're a normal Southern Baptist like I was, unfortunately. Because we just don't know. We just didn't know that God did those kind of things. I love it when the Lord does those kind of things. Wow. When he says that Christ is the head of the church, uh, which is his body, he is the head of the church, which is his body. We are the body of Christ. So whatever he did on earth, I now understand more about Peter when Peter says, when the guy talks about needing to be healed, he said, I don't have any money for what I got. I give it to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And the guy was instantly healed. And when the Pharisees called him and said, how did you do this? He said, if you think it was by my righteousness or my holiness, let it be known that it was by faith in the name of Jesus that this man stands before you well. Now, see, when you get over who you are as a human being, because if you look at yourself, you immediately go into unbelief. You start to pray for somebody, especially if it's something very big, and your old flesh says, who do you think you are? Well, I ain't nobody, but the one that lives in me is somebody. And he's the King of kings and Lord of lords and God of God. And it's by faith in his name 
that I do this in the name of Jesus. And of course, when you, when you take that name, the name of Jesus, and remember, He's the head. We're the body. But He's in us. So, technically speaking, we are little Jesuses. Some people say, I don't like to hear you say that. That's okay. You may not like it. I don't care if you like it or not. I'm a little Jesus because He's in me. Christ is in me, the hope of glory. And He told me over and over and over, I can do the same things He did. All i got to do is walk in obedience to His Word. And I can speak these things and by faith in the name of Jesus. You start doing something in faith and trusting God and walk holy and pure yourself, and you will be absolutely amazed at the wonderful miracles and things you'll get to see God do and answer your prayers. Amen. Is that right? Yes, sir. Absolutely, you can do it. Now then, He is the first of all who will rise from the dead, which He did. So He is first in everything. For God, in all His fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. And by Him, God reconciled everything to himself. Now, this is really something that he lived in Jesus. Jesus was the first man that came here that God lived inside on the earth. He was, became the firstborn. And he says, he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of his blood on the cross. So, you don't, he's not mad at you no more. Now, he used to be mad at us. I mean, and when you read the Old Testament, you'll see some places where he really got upset with us. He wiped us out. His anger rose up. But now he's made peace with us. We come to Jesus, and he washes us and cleans us up and made us his own dear children. And he's made peace with us. And of course, since he's already done this through the blood of His Son. Technically speaking, the Word of God says He has reconciled the world to Himself, not even counting man's sins against Him at this point. Now, that's beyond my ability to comprehend. And I just can't go there when I think, hey, you mean all them heathens out there that sin and He's not holding their sins against them? Not at this point, He's not. Right now, he's not. In other words, it don't make it. Which one of them heathens? I mean, they're they're. I mean, they're the head of the mafia, and just killed fifty people last year, raped twenty women, you know, killed twenty babies, all this stuff. You say, well, God ought to just kill him. He's not even holding his sins against him right now. That murdering, raping head of the mafia could walk in, and you could say, let me tell you about Jesus. You need to accept Jesus. And if a guy comes under conviction by the Holy Ghost and says, I'd like to have Jesus as my Lord and Savior. How many of those sins does the blood cover? That, that's kind of beyond me, isn't it, you keep? And that guy walks into the kingdom and he's clean and pure just like you are. He's a son of God. A joint heir with a king. But you say, but God, that ain't fair. Look at that wicked critter. He said, no, wait a minute. He used to be one of them wicked critters. But he ain't no more. My blood is just as powerful for you as it was for him. And so when I washed you and cleaned you up, I washed him and cleaned him up. Now then, what if this guy goes through his whole life and never comes to know Jesus? What if, like Ty says, well, it goes, our fault. We ain't out doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're not telling them about Jesus. This guy never hears about the love of Jesus. And he comes to the end of his life and he dies with all his sins in his account. What happens? Now he's accountable. Now he's going to be judged. 
now the blood don't cover those no more. He died in that sin. And by dying in that sin, he's condemned. He goes to hell. But anywhere while he's alive, the Lord was not counting his sins against him. Isn't that awesome? We just It's hard for a man. In fact, I was sitting out on the dock one day and some guys come out. And they were saying some bad things and everything. And I told him, I said, you know what you guys need is Jesus. One of the guys said, oh, man, he said, Scrivener, he said, you don't have any idea what I've done wrong. He said, even God couldn't save me. I said, but he's not even holding your sins against you at this point. What are you talking about? I said, when he sent his son, he made peace with the world. And he reconciled the world to himself. And at this point, he doesn't even remember your sin. I don't care what you've done. It's like you've never sinned before in your life. I said, you can come to Jesus right now. I guarantee you, He will in no way turn you away. He'll clean you up and make you a brand new creature in Christ. He said, you've got to be kidding. I said, no. I'm telling you the truth. He said, you mean? I could just say, Jesus, I want you as my Lord and Savior. He'll save me just like that? I said, yes, sir. Guarantee it. That man fell right there and started crying. He said, God, I did. He said, if this is what this man is telling me is true, if what he's telling me is true, I want you as my Savior. Led that man to Jesus right there on a dock out at DFW Airport on his knees. He didn't know that God had already made peace with man through the blood of his Son and was, had reconciled the world to himself. 1 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, Paul tells you the same thing again. Just like he does right here in Colossians. Same story. Exactly. That he was busy through the blood of his son, reconciling the world to himself, not holding his sins against us. Well, once we become children of God, why do we have so many problems in the church then after we become children of God? I'll tell you why. The problem's right here. We don't read the book. The average Christian the average Christian has so little knowledge of this book. Oh, they may have read it once or twice or three or four times, but that's it. They don't stay in it every day. They don't pray over it every day. I mean, they don't spend hours with God every day in His work. You want to get revelation from Him, you've got to really be serious with God. You know. And if you want to really be serious with God and spend time, I know just like Ty, he gets up every morning about four to four to six, somewhere in that neighborhood, and he spends the first two or three hours of his every day with God. Well, now, Dave Rosenfeld's doing the same thing. He's getting up at six or 6.30 and something like that, and he spent two or three hours every morning with God. You talk about getting prayers answered? You know what Dave said his goal is? You know what Dave said he his goal is for prayer answers to prayer? 100%. Healing for everybody he prays for. That's his goal. He said, I'm going to get there. I'm going to spend the time with God till I can get to the point where I'm walking so obedient to his word that whatever I ask God for, he'll do for me every time. And every person I pray for, I get them to repent of their sins and get them to do what God says. said, I want to see an answer to my prayer every time I pray. And that's where Dave's at tonight. He's out ministering to a family. You know, 
his family. He said, you know, when they said, we want Pastor Thurman to come out and, and pray over us. He said, well, he just don't do that much anymore. He don't have time. They said, well, how about you? Dave said, well, I don't have time either, you know, to come to a home like that. And before the evening was over, they had convinced him to come. And he said, okay, I will come sometime. They said, good, we'll be waiting for you this evening. <laughs> so, boy, they got him, nailed him right there. So that's where he's at tonight. <laughs> but he's out about the Lord's work. Now, see, Dave has been cured of an incurable, lifelong disease. And we also made a couple of shows about his testimony while we were out there. And he knows what's required. He knows. He said, when I got my healing, I didn't know how I got there. He got healed, but didn't know how he'd done it. And now he knows how, he, now he knows how it works. And so, if he can teach somebody what he's learned, he knows unless somebody has committed a sin unto death, then he can get anybody healed. If he'll just stay, he'll just go there. So, it's kind of wonderful. <clears throat> he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of his blood on the cross. This includes you who were. This includes you who were once so far away from God. See, it don't matter how far away you were, he made peace with you. Then he says. You were His enemies. How many of us were His enemies? All of us. You were His enemies, separated from Him by your evil thoughts and your actions. What is it separates us from God? Evil thoughts and actions. I mean, even as a Christian, do you have to learn to capture your thoughts? For if you don't, I mean, you're going to be separated from God again. You know that? Because between the flesh and the devil... You can have the wrong thoughts come to your mind. You know, I mean, it'll, it'll beat you every time. I mean, to walk where God commands us to walk here is not an easy thing. It is definitely not. This includes those. So he says, Yet now he has brought you back as his friends. Now then, technically speaking, that word there that they put in this particular translation is really not true. When He brought us back and we accepted Him, we are no longer God's friends. We are God's children. And there's a big difference between a friend and a child. In other words, Terry and Frank sitting up here on the front row have got three beautiful sons. Them three boys, they will do things for them three boys they wouldn't even do for me. <laughs> and I might be their pastor, but they love their boys more than they do me. I can tell you for sure, a whole lot more than they do me. They might do a lot of nice things for me, but they do a whole lot nicer things for their boys because they're their children. Now, that's the way you've got to get this with God. God is not our friend. He's our dad. Amen. And we're His children. And get a hold of that. So if you walk in, walk in obedience to His Word, that's why He can make that covenant with you. There's nothing I won't give you if you'll ask me. Nothing. What an awesome statement from God. And He didn't just make it once or twice. He made it over and over and over. He has done this through His death on the cross in His own human body. As a result, He has brought you into the very presence of God. And you are holy and blameless 
as you stand before Him without a single fault. Well, when He cleans you up, He must have done a good job, didn't He? Did He do a really good job? Now then, we need to stay that way. Once He cleans us up and makes us holy, then we need, as His children, we need to walk holy and obedient to His Word and not get into any kind of strife or unforgiveness or anything because all those sins, will that's part of the dark kingdom. And that will bring sickness and disease to our bodies. So we don't want to go there. But you must continue, as he goes on to say there, without a single fault, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand in it firmly. Don't drift away from the assurance you receive when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed by God to proclaim it. Is that good news? You and I have been washed in the blood, made sons and daughters of God, if we will realize who we are as children of the King, and that we'll walk in obedience to His Word, we can go to heights and places, I mean, that is beyond your wildest dreams. Just think. Just a few years ago, I was a normal Southern Baptist Sunday school teacher. And now I've been called crazy because I've stepped into the world of faith. But you know, the Word of God, the Word of God will change lives. In fact, uh, as I have learned these principles of God's Word, and I teach them, of course, I use Frank, you all 'all know Frank and Terry, and you know their testimony, or most of you do, but as they have believed these mighty promises. Here here, here is a couple that, in fact, I'm going to tell this because it was on the DVD. She had got into such unforgiveness toward her husband now. This guy she married. She loved him enough to marry him. And a little while later, she's praying, God, kill him. (laughs) This is true. Isn't this what you said on the tape? God, kill my husband, but do it in an automobile accident where I'll get double indemnity where I can pay for the house. (laughs) That's That's how bad the devil had got a hold of you, Terry. And she'll agree with that. But see, she had no idea, and I told her whenever I heard her say that, I said, aren't we glad that God doesn't answer every prayer? Yeah, that's right. Faith works through love. And so when I met Terry and told her what to do, and, and she finally did it very, very reluctantly, you know, because she just couldn't go there. This business, you know, like, wives, obey your husbands, forget it. You know, this ain't the way it's supposed to be. But when she found out that when she did obey him and do what he said, he became a totally different man at home. He became a total different spirit leader. And now this couple is in such love with each other, and they, they love each other now. They're both walking in the God kind of love. They love each other. They love the Lord. And it healed all three of their children. All three of their children got healed. They had... For sure, very few people ever come to the spot in life thinking that here you've got this son that's nine years old, that eight or nine years old, 
that's already had surgery on one leg. The other one that cannot be operated on that's gone so far. And that in a very short period of time, he's going to be an invalid. And I teach them that the reason the boy is sick because her unforgiveness, because she will not submit to her husband. And when she finally obeyed and repented and went back and did to her husband what she was supposed to do, submit and let him be the spiritual leader, she could put her input in, but whenever that was done, I mean, whatever decision Frank made, that's it. She did, okay, God, you know, it's, it's between you and Frank. He's the boss. You know, you made him the boss, and you hold him accountable, so, Lord, I'm off the hook. So, all I got to do is just love him. Man, everything went great. Their kids got healed. The one that was, had had the surgeries that they said was going to be an invalid in another few months, the leg that couldn't have been operated on went the other way, and the other one too. And today that boy is running and playing. He's 14 years old, I believe, and not a problem physically. And it all happened because this woman obeyed her husband like God told her to do. And it has totally changed their life. To, and I mean, I mean, they're madly in love with each other now. I mean... Frank loves to be around her. She don't pray for him to get killed no more. She prays. <laughs> I mean, it, it, pray for the Lord to bless him because that's what God told you to do. Amen. Amen. And, and the boy is completely healed. I mean, doctor says he's perfect. Isn't that awesome? Now then, all that happened because this lovely little daughter of the king submitted to the man in her life and obeyed him. And she listened. Sure, she did. Absolutely. I mean, the flesh. In fact, I believe somewhere along the line it was said whenever the Lord told her that Terry, you have to obey, and she said, Lord. I will obey Frank over his dead body. And the Lord told her, no, it will be over your children's dead body. Well, that got her attention. See, the reason it wasn't over his dead body, because at that point she wished he was dead anyway. See. It didn't matter. But when it was her children, she didn't want them little guys dead. And so, okay, Lord, you got my attention. And so whenever she repented and did what she said, to think now, years later, you know, four or five years later, the little boys, instead of all being sick, and the one that was going to be an invalid in a wheelchair, is running and playing and nothing wrong with him, and his legs are perfect. And y'all are in love with each other. Doesn't it pay good dividends to do it God's way? Amen. What an awesome guy. And their full testimony is going to be three of those uh, stories that are on that uh, DVD as soon as we get them, and we'll have them here for y'all. You know, if, if, if we would only do what God said as His children, if we would only obey the King, because we're all responsible to Him, aren't we? When Frank's just like me. You and I are responsible to Him to be the spiritual leaders of our homes, aren't we, Frank? To love our wives. And they're responsible to the King to obey us. And when they do, it makes your life good. You know, I mean, it really does. And so, you know, you women, y'all are really off the hook. You don't have to worry about it. Just say, okay, Lord, I'll throw in my two cents worth here. And now, Lord, it's his, it's his whatever decision he makes, Lord. That's between you and him, Lord. Convict him so he makes the right decision. And if he might make the one you think was perfect, and that's great. But 
if he don't make the one you think perfect, say, well, that's okay. You know, don't come back and say, see, I told you if you'd have done it my way, this wouldn't have happened. Now, I know a lot of women that do that, but that ain't God's way. That ain't God's way. You know, he's already under enough condemnation when he messed up. He don't need you to throw it in on and crush him down. He needs you to love him and say, yeah, to pray with him and be that leader that will help him. And I guarantee you, it changed this couple's life forever. It will change any couple that will obey the king if you do what he says. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this beautiful evening. We thank you, Lord, for your word. This book of Colossians is such a powerful book, Lord. But, Lord, your book is powerful. Anywhere we turn to this thing, it's an awesome book. And, Lord, the new covenant, the new covenant that belongs to us, the children of God. If we'll just obey you, Lord, under this new covenant. You've made us so many promises in here, and we can do so many things. And still, it's like we don't believe you, Lord. We're not willing to obey. And we're not willing to do what you say. And we're not willing to stand in faith to do what you say. Lord, help us to do everything you say. To walk holy and obedient to your word. And then walk in faith. And as we walk in love, our faith will work like Terry said. Faith works by love. Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for blessing your word. Lord, let us take the words we've heard tonight from your word and use them for your glory as we tell others about how great you are this week. And we lead others into the kingdom. For we pray for the sick. Anybody we see that's sick, just stop and say, can I pray for you? I don't care if you're in a restaurant. You see somebody over there that don't feel good. Walk over and say, I'm a Christian. Can I pray for you? Just pray for them. And trust God to do something great. Father, thank you for being our Lord and our God. And we give you all the praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.